Hello. Welcome to Let's Catch Up. Um, this is a long one, guys. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. And I don't even touch on the Kylie Jennifer. J- Kylie Jennifer. Oh, my God. Wow. I just gave them a couple names. Kylie Jenner, Jennifer Lawrence interview situation. I believe it was Interview Mag. If you haven't read it already, you definitely should. I will um, link it in the show notes because it's so fantastic. And we should have celebrities interviewing other celebrities more often. I know that's basically what Actors on Actors is, which, by the way, I was not going to make that an entire segment. But I will read out the pairings really quickly for all of us. Um but the Jennifer Lawrence Kylie Jenner interview is so good. It's so entertaining. We know that Jen loves the Kardashians. She literally calls Chris our mother during the interview. Um, it just is so enjoyable to have someone interview one of them that like clearly watches the show and like enjoys it, you know? Um, and like genuinely loves that family. Like, I don't know, I'm obsessed with it. And they're like clearly friends. Like they literally were talking about how they missed each other in Paris. I'm like, what is going on? But um, I loved it and I want more of it. Actors on Actors lineup, really quickly. Everyone saw this coming. The Margot Robbie, Killian Murphy, Barbie Oppenheimer. I love that for them. Um, I don't know that I will watch it, uh, but I love saying that I'm going to watch all of these, not watching any of them, um, except for um, that one last year with Jeremy Allen White and um, what's her name from White Lotus? Why can't I remember her name? Jennifer. What's her last name, guys? It's so embarrassing. Anyway, other pairings are Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo. Will they talk about Marvel? Uh, Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway. Will they talk about the Devil Wears Prada? Uh, Halle Bailey and Rachel Zegler. Did you guys see all this stuff with Halle Bailey in the nail salon and that man that she... Oh, God, I hate that man. Oh, I just feel like he's dragging her down. It's literally none of my business, but it bugs me all the time. Anyway, Emma Stone and Bradley Cooper. That could be fun. Coleman Domingo and Jacob um, Alordi also could be interesting. Guys, I don't know what Saltburn is about, but the way that y'all are making TikToks after you see it, I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> I'm scared, honestly. And Emerald Fennell, I love her, and I think that she's very smart and very good at what she does, but I would just rather not, I think, is what the conclusion I've come to. And Carrie Mulligan and Michael Fassbender uh, are also doing Actors on Actors. I don't need that. Enough, no offense to them. It's just like, that's not really going to, you know, hit anything. Jeffrey Wright and Taraji P. Henson, Greta Lee and Andrew Scott, the way that I still have to see past lives. Um, Annette Benning and Julianne Moore. Oh my God. Speaking of Julianne's, have we heard these clips? I mean, like, don't go listen to them. I mean, unless you really want to. I just, like, have chosen not to listen to them. I have seen the poll quotes of Julianne Margulies's Juliana Margulies, whatever. It doesn't matter what her name is. She said some hateful, hateful things on a podcast recently under the guise of um, basic, I, I don't know. It's just like so messy. It's hateful things about, um, Muslim people. It's hateful things about black people. It's weirdly, I think it gets anti-gay at one point. It's like truly nuts. Um, but so many people were talking about her and, and Archie Punjabi from, um, the good wife and saying like, now this feud makes sense because for years we had no idea why they could not film together. Remember we were like, what is going on? And now it's like, no, our girl, our, our girl Archie knew the whole time. She said, uh, I'm staying out of Dodge. Um, and now she's, you know, said what she needs to say. I know she's on the morning show. Will they let her go? I need to know, but God, just like truly hateful stuff. Like the kind of thing that, this is going to sound like gross of me to say, I know it, but it's like, that is the kind of thing that people don't say out loud on recorded mediums. You know what I mean? Like famous people don't go out to like, we know that people believe that sort of garbage, but like say, Oh God, I'm sorry. I got really riled up. Yeah. Did y'all see that Charles Milton won that award for best supporting actor for May, December, and that the last two winners of that have gone on to win the Oscar for best supporting actor. I love that for him. I love him leaving Riverdale and winning an Oscar. That's so iconic. Could you imagine? Cole Sprouse is shaking in his Doc Martens. He cannot stand it. Um, anyway, but Annette Bening and Julianne Moore, do not get it confused. I'm, I was talking about Julianne Margulies, who said the racist things. Julianne Moore is a saint, as far as I know. Still Alice. Um, but when I saw her name, it reminded me. Natalie Portman, also for May, December, and Paul Mezcal. Um, Mezcal? I said it like the drink. 
doesn't matter. Anyway, that's Actors on Actors. We love that. So that's going to get us started because you know what's next after Actors on Actors. It's Meg in the Hollywood Roundtable, baby. Um, okay, so that was literally, this is all the intro. What are we talking about today? Um, it's the best time of the year. I am going to talk about the Goop gift guide. I've never been more excited about anything in my entire life. I love it so much every year. It never fails to just give me a good giggle. I also have to talk about the Golden Bachelor having some sort of like, you know, discrepancy between the story he's telling on on the show and his actual life. Crazy. Um, Also, in a very dark turn from these things that are of no consequence, I also want to talk about the P. Diddy lawsuit with Cassie. Just going to touch on that. So just know that that's coming and that that isn't um, anyone's favorite topic of conversation. Um, I also talk about some of the things that came as a result of the SAG strike, because what were they fighting for? You know, we get a little bit of an idea and I do a rundown of some holiday movies because I just love them so much. And I love uh, content this time of year. What is fun about holiday movies is it, first of all, they're on every network now, like UPA, everybody's got, you know, a movie, um, but It's that they are just so split, you know, between ones that you read the premise and you're like cheesy, but a classic and I love it. And then you read some where you're like, they tried so hard to make the premise different. This is the craziest thing I've ever read. (laughs) And I don't think I'll be watching this movie. So I go through both of those because I just can't help myself. Um, Okay, now let's catch up. It's the best day of the year. No, it's not Treat Yourself 2023. It's Goop Gift Guide, baby. We are back and (laughs) we are better than ever. One thing Gwyneth is going to do is provide us with content, okay? Now, she was recently seen photographed holding hands with Dakota Johnson, her ex-husband's current girlfriend, and I love that for them. We love a co-parenting journey. We love a journey with a woman who says she's allergic to limes but isn't allergic to limes. We love that for our, our ski lawsuit turned musical star, Okay, anyway, so let's talk about some things in the gift guide. Now, important context is that the first gift guide that I am going to go through is the one called Ridiculous But Awesome. Ridiculous is correct, but that's where the content lives, you know? Because there's also a gift guide for kids that's, like, kind of crazy, but, like, it feels just like, you know, a gift guide for people with children that my children should I ever have and he would not experience. Um, And then you've got the travel gift guide, which is always good because it kind of starts with like normal stuff and then it enters into a territory of like retreats and stays and things that like I literally could never imagine buying for someone. But if someone bought it for me, I wouldn't be mad at all. Um, But let's start with ridiculous but awesome. So right out of the gate, we've got a $14,580 backgammon set. Oh, God, I love her. I mean, she just she never stops giving, you know, the gift. Um, you can rent an island called Turtle Island in Fiji from $39,500 a night, and you have to stay a minimum of three nights. Now, it's interesting that this is not in the travel gift guide, but this is in the ridiculous gift guide. Um, there is a 24-karat gold G-spot vibrator for $15,000. $15,000. Antique escargot picks for over $500. Um, a seven day airship cruise to the North pole. And this is my favorite part price upon request. (laughs) Now the look of this blimp like thing is really giving, you know, ocean gate submarine article crisis again, except this time in the air on the way to the North pole. Um, similar to the Titanic ruins. There are just things we, we don't need to see, you know? And I think the North Pole might be one of them. I watch Polar Express every year as a child. That seems sufficient. Don't remember the plot. May have nothing to do with the the North Pole. Pretty sure it does. A seven-day airship cruise. An airship cruise. That that sucker's looking like it's giving Hindenburg, you know? And and I don't love that. Price upon request. Incredible. Um, we've got a $2,000 gong and stand. Incredible. Um, you know what everybody wants for Christmas, a gong, a $10,000, 53-piece bar cart. Um, this is just a custom cabin. I really didn't dig into this, but I think maybe I should. The price range is $200,000 to $1 million. So I guess you can just build your, I don't, 
I don't know if it has to be where it is or if this is one of those wide load situations where they'll put it on the back of a truck and carry it to, you know, Yellowstone for you. I don't know. I just don't have the kind of money to understand this. This is a custom built ruby jewelry safe for $11,000. Just don't, I don't know. I just don't know that you need that. There is this thing that's like um, under the Northern Lights in Iceland there is like, um, you can have this experience there that's like a price upon request. That actually looks very cool, right? Like it looks like you stay, oh wait, it says executive producer experience. It says record under the Northern Lights. And now I'm realizing, okay, this is very on brand, right? For, for Goop is that I'm looking at this and I'm like, wait, this is so cool. And like, this would be an incredible gift if you had like a wealthy husband and he said, we are taking a trip to the Northern Lights and we're staying in this exclusive resort that's just for us or whatever. But that's not what this is. You know what this is? This is a music studio <laughs> under the Northern Lights that you can just like rent out time in. I sometimes I mean like she just goes above and beyond you know her team goes above and beyond to create this kind of content for us every year uh $5,000 Chanel roller skates um oh there's like a pool customized from a shipping container for $28,000 um let's see an Hermes doghouse for almost 2k um, a zero, a zero G's experience, uh, for $9,000. Is that how much the bachelor's paying when they go on these dates? Nine grand for like Tyler Cameron to almost throw up in Hannah Brown's mouth. Um, this is interesting. The well Bay Harbor islands, the price point starts at four mil. Now, is this the well that's the same as that thing? The, the, you know, you guys know the like spa like thing that gives it gives like very millennial spa, which makes me question whether or not like it would actually be a good massage. But I don't know like why you're staying there. Are you buying a house for four million? Are you renting? I don't know. I've got a lot of questions. This is the worst part of this gift guide is that it does do very, very short um like breakdowns. So it's not exactly life changing, but I mean that fifteen thousand dollar vibrator and that sound uh that music producing northern lights trip as well as the um the my favorite is the north pole airship cruise because i'm just like who is doing that um okay let's move on to kids there's not a lot here but there is a louis vuitton baby wardrobe for seventy three thousand dollars. so i don't i don't know who that's for it's not me there's a 92 dollar backpack could you imagine sending a child to elementary school with a $92 backpack? Get to L.L. Bean immediately. That is crazy. Um, although I said that with a lot of confidence of someone who has not bought an L.L. Bean backpack in like over a decade. Maybe they are that much money now. I don't know. Inflation is crazy. Um, you know what? This is not inflation, though. There's an ice cream charm necklace on this list for a gift guide for children. The necklace is $811. For a child. Huh? What is this? Um, there are some like random cute things. Like there's a cute little scooter with a strap that you can carry it. And it's like a little overpriced in my opinion. But it's like cute. There's like a kite kit. Um, but then they, and then there's like, you know, the tiny little trampolines that kids have. But then there's like a big octopus, uh, octopus stuffed animal that's $219. And I just don't quite understand why. This custom hand-painted chair is $465 and it's described as a modern heirloom. No, an heirloom is if somebody's grandfather like mine actually made you something like this and didn't spend $465 to do it. Do you guys ever think of the things that your grandparents and or parents were capable of making and then you think about what you would be capable of making for your children and or grandchildren one day and you think, uh-oh, heirlooms might be dead. Uh, because I don't think my grandchildren are gonna be like, listen to this podcast my grandma made in 2023. Um, we've got a ball pit for $200. You've got an Hermes rocking horse for $3,500. Um, you've got just like a little pouch for 50 bucks. Like, are people buying their children this stuff? It's just so crazy. But then you've got these like cute, again, th this one is confusing because it's like, then there's this little um, magic 
Power Potion Necklace Kit for $45 that looks very much like something that would have been advertised on Nickelodeon when we were children. That's like a little necklace, and I think you just fill it up with little, like, you know, jewels and things like that. And then wish, you know, the worst for your enemies or whatever, you know, kids are doing these days. Um, Marshmallow of the Month Club which is interesting for children. It's $70 a month, though, if you know someone that's an adult that loves marshmallows, um, that they might be into that. Okay, so I'm on to travel gifts, which is always a fun one because they, I feel like I, you know, it's kind of like the leapfrog where you identified the capitals as a child and you learned so much. Like, I feel like I learn a lot reading the Goop Gift Guide travel section because I'm like, where's that? Oh, no way. You can go there? Um, we've got uh, $2,500 a person for three nights to stay in the Gobi Desert. Honestly, I said that out loud and now I'm like, that doesn't seem like a terrible deal. But it says a truly off-the-grid experience in Mongolia. So that might not be for me personally. Um, I like this one that's like custom Moroccan rug. I'm assuming that this company actually is in Morocco. Otherwise, that would be kind of uncomfortable I think to promote them on this you got your standard things like your travel hair dryer your luggage tag your travel pillow those are kind of boring right you've got like goop flannel shirts that they're trying to sell on this gift guide for $400 but you know what my favorites are the things like you can stay at a conservatorium which is a word I use regularly in Amsterdam for $864 a night um, you can stay, listen, they picked the craziest words. You can stay in Buckinghamshire, Buckinghamshire, good Lord, um, in a place for like 445 euros a night. It does look like just a bougie country house. So you might run into Will and Kate, but do we want to run into them right now? Y'all, what is going on with that book? Just as an aside. I mean, truly so crazy. All the bombshells, the fact that Charles was the one that made the comment about Archie's skin color, allegedly, allegedly. I really didn't see that coming because I kind of thought that the conclusion that we all drew was that like Harry would not have maintained a relationship with his father if his father had been the one that said that. But his father clearly was the one that said that. I don't know. It's just all so crazy. Anyway, back to our vacations. Um, you can stay in the Atacama Desert for $6,000 for three nights. I don't know. Oh, it's in Chile. Great. Okay. I had no idea. It's a wilderness lodge. Sounds like my nightmare. What I do love is that right next to it is just like a $3,600 palm and moon ring. And what I like most about this ring is that it does look like a signet ring that you're intended to, I guess, wear on vacation. But my mother's from South Carolina and she does have a palmetto tree like ring from college. Uh, so that's fun. So you can either get one of those or you can get one of these. Um, picnic olive oil. I just like that one because it's a travel size flask of olive oil for $14. One of the suggestions is just to donate to the ocean cleanup. Love that. Um, let's see. You've got your portable speaker. You've got your Hilma gentle bowel movement support. You know, love that for the traveler in your life. Um, hand cream, a pickleball paddle, and then this thing called the Essentialist. And it's a $2,600 a year travel club membership and this service creates, quote, bespoke itineraries tailored to your precise preferences. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, if you've ever met me, you know that that's actually something that I really do enjoy doing. You can pay me a lot less than $2,600 for me to create a bespoke itinerary tailored to your precise preferences. And I'll bet you I'll do a pretty good job of it, too. You can give me about $26, and I'll probably do it. $26, take me out to eat, you know, and I'll make you a little itinerary. I love it. I really do. I love doing the research. You let me know. If you're going anywhere and you want somebody to whip you up a quick Google Doc, I'm your girl. Um, oh, and then this one. Some of these are just like not as exciting as I wanted, but I don't know where any of these places are. And so I, that does feel very goop, right? It's like Sumba Island. It's in Indonesia, apparently. I've never heard of it. It's $400 a night. It's a new resort. So I don't know if they're partnering with goop or what's going on there. But I do love that um, Goop is like, here are all the places that you'll never go because you're poor. Um, Morocco, classic. And then a bunch of, um, you know, the the facial, facial creams, the eye creams, the lips, a seven-night wellness treat in India for $4,200. Um, good stuff. Now we have to move over to wellness. Now wellness is where it gets good. Ridiculous but awesome 
is what it is, right? Like they are telling you out of the gate, these are going to be crazy. And they are crazy, but it's fun to read. And I don't know if anyone's actually buying them. Wellness, you know, people are on goop buying this stuff. It starts off with something that I have no idea what it even is. I don't know if it's a backgammon kit, a cricket kit. I don't know what it is. It's something about Tracy Anderson. Someone who does Tracy Anderson is going to listen to this and be like, it's obviously all the workout tools. I'm like, literally one of them looks like a Swiffer. But anyway, um, you start with some non-alcoholic aperitifs, a build a habit guide, very cute, $28. Shower infusion starter kit, not for me, but $150. It does seem like it's for someone. And then we get into the goods. We've got something here sold by uh, Airetic. I don't know what this is. It's just called the Herbalist. And it says blends hemp extract with lemon, hinoki, thyme, and amberette for a complex fresh scent. It's $165. Is it a perfume? Is it a serum? Is it a... I have no idea. I don't know what it's for, but I love it. Um, we've got a stay in Oita or... Oh, I don't know. Japan for $30,000 a night. I love it. It's just an island resort in a luxurious hot spring, 30K, one night, rejuvenated. Uh, we've got a $465 teapot. God bless America. Um, you've got your goop clothing again on these lists, $500. This is an interesting one. This is a, quote, galactic soak uh, from $88. Start with a, I'm reading this directly from the website if you couldn't tell because I don't know what this means and the company's name is Into Me See, which it's giving if Sebastian was like a little hammered uh, in The Little Mermaid, you know, Into Me See. Okay, um, I'm proud of that joke. I don't care if you hate it because I came up with that on the spot just now. Okay, I'm going to read this though. This is the Galactic Soap. Quote, start with an aromatherapeutic, whoop, but that's a big word for elbow, <laughs> aromatherapeutic steam bath, then sink into the quartz crystal tub and let the water cocoon you. Which sounds like a bath. Um, it's none of my business. This is a full body intelligence test. So this, for $400, you can get this mail-in test that's going to tell give you scores on your digestion, cellular health, immune system, stress, resilience. Let me tell you what I don't need. A $400 test to tell me I'm stressed, okay? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, let's see what else is on here. Um, you've got your, like, red light mask again, but this one is TheraFace. It's $600. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that but a little bit bougier than what I've seen before. This is an Elixir of Light pendant necklace for $1,235. It's a glass vial filled with pale yellow sapphires. I don't know what that's supposed to do exactly, but it's really none of my business. Um, let's see, we've got a $130 watering can. There's a variety of balms and spa things and things to, you know, put on your face. There's also a variety of vibrators on this list. None of them are $15,000, though. Um, Remedy Place Membership. This is a social wellness club for $500 a month. Breath work, ice baths, vitamin IVs. I mean, like, man, people really be paying money, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> grow your own lion's made mushroom kit $30 honestly I want nothing to do with that but the price tag is appealing to me I can afford that a serotonin soak magnesium flakes and apple cider vinegar and the lot for $40 um there is a Cheng uh Rai retreat peace and well-being in the mountains it's, it starts at $8,700. It's a choose-your-own-adventure, epic six-day journey through northern Thailand. And honestly, it's giving... What was that book with the show with Melissa McCarthy and Olivia um, Octavia Spencer? And you know what I'm talking about. I can't remember the title of the book, but I literally read it. Regina Hall. Ugh, cast Regina Hall and everything. That's like my per podcast main, main purpose. Um you guys know what I'm talking about? They made it into the Hulu show and then, you know, someone died, obviously. Um, those are the vibes of that that's giving, allegedly. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to get sued by a company called Remote Lands because how will I ever find them? Got a $575 bottle holder, um, an optimal well-being program at Sensei Porcupine Creek from 1720 a night. 
Uh, before you arrive, they'll send you a wearable health tracker. The data will guide the program during your stay. Actually, that sounds more like that book. This is definitely the list that promotes like most of the Goop products, right? Like detoxifying super powder, um, a variety of like creams, a multivitamin, any sort of like cupping, some products, a red light, red light neck enhancer, which is interesting and is something I want to talk about as a society is what are we, what are we doing for our necks, you know? Because I don't think just pulling my moisturizer down onto my neck is enough. And if you have any other ideas, please let me. Nine perfect strangers. I knew if I dug around into the recesses of this horror show that I call a brain, I could remember what that show is called. And it's called Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman. I mean, isn't that amazing? Read the book, watched the show, couldn't remember the title for minutes at a time. It's too much going on. Um, anyway... All the goop wellness multivitamins. Now I'm just like thinking about that show because it's also what's his face who's married to Rose Byrne. Um, wow. Anyway, that's the gift guide for this year. I mean, without fail, it just makes me giggle. There are a couple other categories that I didn't dig into, right? So you've got the under 100 category. Honestly, boo, we didn't ask for that. Give us the things we can't. Also, it is funny because it's like under 100 and then it's literally something that says olive oil and fuyu persimmon vinegar for $8,500. $8, That's your under 100. So it's like, no thanks. Give me the good stuff. The lover's gift guide, the men's gift guide. I didn't click into either one of those. The forward to your significant other, the cook, the host. Um, didn't get into any of those. So if you want, there's some more content out there for you that's quite entertaining. Or if you want to use it to actually inform your gift giving this holiday season, I love that for you. And if you felt like this was helpful in you doing that and like you were buying some of the, like the pricier items on the gift guide, maybe you could like, you know, throw a commission check my way. I don't know. I'm just saying. Okay, this is crazy um we talked a little bit about the golden bachelor like right when it premiered i did not end up watching it because i do think that weirdly i am done with a show that i've watched the majority of my life but um i don't know if you guys have seen this but the hollywood reporter did this like expose it feels like a heavy heavy word to use about this but i don't know what other word to use but they did this basically like read if you will of gary the golden bachelor basically saying he's not fully who he says he is now this is not that serious if we really like want to get into it like he's not like a serial killer as far as we know or like an actual like predator it just kind of seems like maybe abc like kind of smoothed out some edges that's my general assumption but i'll give you guys the high level view of what we're dealing with here I think it's interesting though because this is obviously something that we don't normally see with these contestants because they are so deeply vetted and they typically are on TV as a contestant first before we see them as a lead. So anyway, if you don't remember, Gary Turner, 72-year-old, um, Golden Bachelor, the first one, he was married to his wife for 43 years. She died suddenly after um, she had an infection. They moved into their dream retirement home on a lake in Indiana and um, she passed a month after they moved in. So Gary proceeds to go on the show after his like granddaughters and daughters um, nominated him. And all of a sudden it becomes this blow up um, ratings uh, big wig for ABC, especially within the franchise. So they had um, the premiere was the highest since 2021 with 13.9 million viewers set a streaming record record as ABC's most watched episode of an unscripted series ever on Hulu after 35 days of viewing. Um, he goes on to tell Entertainment Tonight and all these podcasts and things I haven't dated in 45 years. I've had like one kiss in all that time. Um, so we start with this like real genial, like he's so sweet. He, you know, only has ever loved his wife kind of vibe. And then it appears that like that's not entirely the case. Again, I understand this is not that serious. I want to like reiterate that. It feels like this is like such a weird like um like tightrope because it's like it sounds really sketchy, honestly, but it's in all actuality not that serious in the grand scheme of things like Cassie and P. Diddy, however, that's actually serious, and we are going to discuss that. But 
like Gary tells them that he had like all these psychological evaluations. He had to send his uh, background tests, uh, fingerprinting, all this stuff. So like the gist is that ABC would have known these things. The Hollywood Reporter ends up on this man's LinkedIn obsessed um, because his, you know, his job title was like restaurateur or something. Now, we all know that the Bachelor job titles should not be taken with any sort of seriousness. Um, People, you know, have put chicken, have had chicken assigned to them. They did not put chicken, things like that. Twin. Um, but then also like, we know that people, if, if the bachelor universe doesn't really know what your job is or what to call you, like they just kind of give you a name that most of America will understand. Right. And sometimes it overinflates your actual job and that's okay. Especially when you have like a 22 year old on the show, it's like, you just call her an account manager, even though she's like a sales assistant, it's fine. So the job title thing doesn't really seem like that big of a deal to me. The thing that's interesting to me if you want to go read the article, I'll link it in the show notes. It's the Hollywood reporter. They literally go into like, he says he retired at 55, but he has post retirement work. I'm like, yes, people work after they retire all the time. It like literally he, one of the jobs his one of his post retirement jobs is installing hot tubs. I think that man was just doing that for fun. Like I, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't sound fun to me, but like we all have different definitions. Now, the thing that's interesting is his relationships after his wife passed before he was the Golden Bachelor. Because what we were led to believe as viewers was that, like, he only had one kiss in between the time of his wife's passing and being on the show. He hasn't dated in 45 years again. But that doesn't really seem to be the case. So there's a woman. She doesn't want her name out there. But um, they had a three-year-long relationship after his wife passed. So his wife passes away. A month later, he starts dating this woman. She's 14 years younger than him. She's a staff accountant at the mental health center that he was a maintenance man at, which was also listed on his LinkedIn, which was another one of his post-retirement jobs that The Hollywood Reporter called out. Um, they uh, dated for 10 months. I know you're like, Megan, you just said three. Wait for it. Wait to do the math. They dated for 10 months, moved in together, and lived together for a year and nine months. Huh? what? That's kind of crazy to have a relationship where you lived with someone and then to go on TV and be like, I haven't dated anyone. So this, um, people have corroborated, easy for me to say, this report, people who were her friends, the Hollywood Reporter saw text messages, the woman herself, obviously. Again, no one is saying that like he wasn't allowed to date this woman. None of that. However, the, the vibe is weird, right? That like, this wasn't mentioned. Turns out she wasn't the only woman. There was a waitress at some bar near his house that he also dated. Um, not that long, not as long as the initial woman that was the accountant, but like they dated for a while enough that like um, friends knew him. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of strange that he would like go on and be like, I haven't dated anyone. Like, do did ABC know and they like were like you've got to just pretend like you haven't dated anyone since your wife passed or like did I don't know I'm just like so suspicious of it all um whatever it's this woman was like posting sent text messages to the Hollywood reporter about this man like texting her being like I go to bed at night thinking of you and wake up thinking of you which just in case you're wondering I guess that you know those are texts that every man sends no regardless of their age um but i do think that there's there's something we have to dig into here if they're ever going to do this again it's like just tell us the truth right like the honest truth of the matter is that his wife passed away very like the story of his wife passing was really so sad because if i remember correctly they literally like took her to the hospital and she passed within the week like it really was so sad they'd been together 45 years that is an upsetting story and it is worthwhile to share. But I think that the weird thing is that they're acting like that's, that's, um, that's the Kate, that that's the last woman that he's ever loved, which maybe it is. I don't know. Isn't this just so crazy, but I'm obsessed with a Hollywood reporter being like, um, we're going to do like this expose on the golden bachelor. I think the finale must be this week or something. I don't know the ins and outs, but people are also speculating, which 
you know, this is not a spoiler. I don't know who wins. I really don't. But people are speculating that he's going to pick a different woman than everyone assumed that he would pick all week because she, he found out that she was a day trader. And people said that he got really excited when she was talking about her money and that, like, I guess in some interviews he's given that he said that, like, whoever he picked or whatever, they could, like, buy two or three houses together. So I don't know. It just sounds so messy and it makes me wish I'd kind of watched the season. Maybe I... Okay, so big time trigger warning. I'm going to talk about the P. Diddy situation. So just know I'm going to try my best not to. I'm not going to go into any details about her allegations because they're obviously like incredibly heartbreaking and upsetting. Um, But there are a lot of words that I would call triggers that um, relate to this story. So if you're not already familiar, Cassie was in a long-term relationship um, well, relationship was a word that we were using, but I don't know if it's a word that we should continue using for what, uh, she was in with, uh, Sean Diddy Combs. Um, and she sued him in federal court in, on November 16th. Um, and so basically it's a decade long, um, history of abuse that started when she was 19. Um, the things that she accuses him of are sex trafficking, human trafficking, sexual battery, sexual assault, gender motivated violence. Um, it gets into a lot of details of him being incredibly controlling over her life, her car, her apartment, her clothing, her medical records. Um, Kid Cudi briefly dated Cassie in 2011 in 2012, P. Diddy blew up Kid Cudi's car in his driveway. I'm not joking. That's like literally something that happened and Kid Cudi has confirmed it on the record. Um, so the lawsuit, um, and I'm sure that you guys have seen quite a few of these. Um, the lawsuit is the result of um, the Adult Survivors Act in New York. Um, the window closing, it has closed as of the recording of this, but it closed the week after she, um, filed her lawsuit. There were some other people who filed lawsuits against rather famous people. Obviously this was the most, um, jaw dropping, I would say an extensive of them. Not that it is a competition by any means, just saying in terms of news coverage, there's a reason that this is the one that everybody talked about. Um, the Adult Survivors Act was a New York law that gave victims of sexual abuse who were 18 and older or older at the time of the alleged abuse a one-year window to bring cases um, after any statute of limitations have expired. Um, and so basically a lot of people were like, this is my opportunity to speak up. Um, and so she did. Um the allegations are extensive and upsetting. She is obviously quite young throughout this. Now, what is interesting, and I don't want to use that word to like try and make this salacious or minimize anything that she went through by any means, is that she sues, um, she filed her lawsuit not only um, of P. Diddy, but also his companies. Bad Boy Entertainment, Bad Boy Records, Epic Records, Combs Enterprises, and Doe Corp's. In attaching all of these companies, now I am not a legal expert here, we do get into the liability situation, right? So he stepped down from Revolt, I think, which is the TV um, company he, he like, um, founded. Um, and they settled, obviously, if you guys had not already heard, literally within a day. Um, so, you know, there was a a statement released that was like, you know, I wish Cassie and her family all the best, love, whatever. And like one of his attorneys was like, just so we're clear, a decision to settle a lawsuit, especially in 2023, is in no way an admission of wrongdoing. I don't know what especially in 2023 means here, but then he goes on to say, Mr. Combs's decision to settle the lawsuit does not in any way undermine his flout, denial of the claims. He's happy they got to a mutual settlement and wishes Mrs. Ren- Miss Ventura the best. That's Cassie's last name. Um, yeah, obviously, like, the settlement happening very quickly was kind of crazy because it, it was so high profile, and then it just felt like it kind of, like, I don't want to say fell flat. Like, I hope that she feels like she has some closure and some justice here, but it he clearly realized that, like, it would be better to just handle this. Now, multiple members of Danity Kane 
came out and were like trying to tell y'all praying for Cassie, you're so brave. Well, that was upsetting, I have to tell you. What could Danity Kane have been had P. Diddy not been himself? I know that's not the important thing here, but I just need to throw it out there as a Danity Kane stand to this day. You know, we in the car, we ride slow, we doing things that the girls don't do. Like, it's important. But anyway, P. Diddy has had a long list of allegations. Like, Cindy, Cindy, Cassie is not the only one by any means. It just appears that, like, obviously hers was the longest lasting and, like, literally started when she was 19. And um, I remember when they ended their relationship and she was with this new man and pregnant that I was like, oh, my God, that was so fast. And now I'm like, it wasn't fast enough, honestly. Like, good for her. Um, Only the best for her. And her, like, husband or partner now, like, his mother was also... um, like a survivor of domestic violence and he runs like marathons and half marathons in support of like domestic violence survivors like organizations it's really so beautiful so I love that for her but I just wanted to mention this um story because it's obviously so upsetting but also because there's something very interesting to me personally about her invoking all of his business names in the settlement because it does um I mean, obviously, when someone is behaving like this for this long, like, people know. Like, one of Diddy's, like, bodyguards has come out and said things about, like, him drugging girls, allegedly, allegedly, and things like that. And I'm just like, how many people knew and just, like, stood by, you know? But I'm glad that she was able to speak her truth, and I'm sure she got a pretty penny for it. Not that that's the point, but, you know, certainly doesn't hurt at the end of the day. Can't take away all the things that happened to her. But it can set her child up for a very nice life. And I love that for her. Just so gross. I mean, honestly, the list of men that the allegations came out against was, like, not great. Russell Brand was on it again. I'm a little confused about what's going on there. Because I thought that con- that ball got rolling a couple months ago. And nothing has really come of it. So, like, when is he going to get his comeuppance, you know? Okay, um, first question, what did the SAG strike actually do? We talked about it a lot. feel like it's worth actually discussing um, what is going on there. So um, obviously residuals were a huge part of the ratified agreement. If you've seen some people post, it seems like AI is still a little messy. It seems like uh, studios can still have access to your like physical form not your physical form that makes it sound like they're like stuffing dead bodies but like your your appearance and then can like generate an ai copy of you right and like use that in you know productions long after you're gone which you know is giving taxidermy in some way anyway but anyway let's talk about the residuals because that's what's interesting and one of the big things that they were fighting for um both the wga and sag So um, what it seems like is certainly that these sorts of deals will benefit the Stranger Things kids, right? And I know they're not kids anymore, technically. But also, do you guys see Noah Schnapp, Schnapp, whatever. He is in the Forbes 30 under 30, which like that is all, you know, like your agent or manager or someone. You just like, you know, submit yourself. Like it's not actually like Forbes, like, you know plowing through you know all of the the 20 somethings in Hollywood being like who should we put on the list you have to be like nominated for it or whatever but film updates tweeted that he was listed uh, that he was in the 30 under 30 and then they the next sentence said the actor has no projects lined up after the next season of Stranger Things I said wow wow just caught caught a stray there got nominated for 30 under 30 may not have even known that his team was doing it probably did but may not have Gets awarded that and then also gets a slight slap in the face and told, um, you don't actually have any work lined up, so we're not entirely sure how you made it here. Um, Anyway, back to the SAG strike. So um, there is a bonus structure, basically, as a that are going to be residual. So I'm going to be reading a lot of this because it's all very, you know, um, official language-y. You know what I mean? So... uh, um, 
anything that is on these streaming platforms has to receive enough domestic, quote, views in the first 90 days to be equivalent to 20% of the streaming services domestic subscribers. So I think that makes sense, right? Like when Bridgerton season three airs, presumably they will receive enough views in the next 90 days uh, that are equal to or greater than 20% of Netflix's subscribers, right? The definition of views is hours views hours viewed divided by the runtime of the project, not like individual unique accounts that are watching the program. Okay, so like presumably, if I watch Bridgerton season three seven times, I'm like contributing to this number, right? Oh, okay, which makes sense. Like people should be paid for re. I like thought about rewatching so many shows in the last few months and I was like, hold on, girly, hold on, just wait until they've restructured because, you know, I want, you know, um, Joel McHale to get residuals for how many times I rewatch Community. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, so there's also um, a WGA aspect of this. Uh, the writer will receive an additional 50% of their fixed dom- fixed domestic and foreign residual if the show meets that same criteria. So that's great. So where this starts to get a little messy and a little confusing is that um, those viewership numbers come from Nielsen tracking data. And if a show isn't big enough to make its way to the Nielsen data, they may not be able to make the residual number from my understanding. So an example is Poker Face with Natasha Leone um, had 4.5 million views within its first two weeks of availability, which is around 15% of Peacock's 28 million subscribers. So likely in the next, you know, three weeks or whatever, um, they would pass that 20% threshold and be rewarded that residual, both the actors and the writers. But there are other shows like that Yellowstone spinoff, 1923, which I don't know if we talked about the fact that they just made all these spinoffs of all these years, 1923, 1886, or whatever it is, 1883, 1885. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I'm like, what are we doing? 1776 is going to be Liberty Kids before we know it. Anyway, so because there isn't enough data, like that Yellowstone spinoff 1923 was not on the Nielsen charts for more than one week. So like, are they just not eligible for a bonus? I don't know. It's very interesting. Like, they also like these bonuses. I tried to like really discern this one part and I couldn't fully figure it out. And so I just chose not to mention it, but I'm going to mention a part of it. These bonuses are being paid out after like a certain, like I, I guys, I don't know. They're, they're being paid out at like a hundred percent, like Netflix or whoever is paying a hundred percent, but like the performer so, like, Nicola Coughlin will only get 75% of her residual, her, like, fixed residual payment for Bridgerton Season 3. And the other 25% will be funneled into a fund controlled by SAG and AMTPT trustees that will be distributed among the rest of the union members. So, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's very interesting because it's it's giving like, you know, like a, a tax or something, but it's going directly to SAG. But they they say that they'll give it to other actors. Can you tell I'm struggling to understand this? I'm like, uh, thank God I'm not an actor. Like, I don't know how anyone understands this, but if you were an actor on another like streaming, like would I get money if I was in Bridgerton, but I was like, I I have no idea where this 25% is going. It's very weird because it literally, they, they're saying that it's going to go to other performers, but like it literally could just be used to like make SAG merch. So I get it. They, they're trying to make sure that it's not just the Bridgertons and the Stranger Things and the, you know, Ted Lasso's. I know Ted Lasso isn't on air anymore, but you know what I mean? It's not just those guys that are getting those, um, benefits from this, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, 
I'd be very interested to see the math and the structure of what they are going to do with that 25% and how they intend to split it up. It does not impact me at all, but I am genuinely curious um, because, oh, okay, apparently will be determined by AMTP, AM, I hate that acronym, AMPTP trustees. So surely they can be trusted. Um, Anyway, I mean, listen, I'm glad that the strike's over because your girl was dying, obviously, um, and is ready, you know, for Abbott to be back in February. They announced that a new episode will be airing after the Oscars. They're moving the Oscars up an hour and Abbott's going to have a new episode after. I mean, iconic, honestly. Um, But it's good news. There's all sorts of math out there about how you can dig into what someone would be making. I, I know that they um, want to, in the future, work on that structure more so that it's not just those big shows, which I totally understand that. Um, but it's basically intended to be some sort of um, compensation. I think it'll be interesting to see what you know other actors have spoken about in the past right is that they were basically able to live off of their residuals right that they were um you know able to buy houses with residuals this structure about residuals basically seems like it will just be a second one like they receive the first initial one and then they're just going to get like a second residual and it doesn't necessarily seem like actors will be consistently receiving them you know I don't know. I might not be understanding this correctly, but I think that it'll be very interesting to see. I think also given that like streamers don't release a lot of information about actual numbers, that will also be interesting to see. Like how are they going to keep these streamers honest? I know that that's like deep in the weeds and far more, you know, somebody else's responsibility other than mine. But like if this isn't information they're willing to release now when they don't have to pay anyone about it, what makes you think that they're going to be consistent and honest in the way that they release it when it does require them to actually cut people checks? I don't know. I got a lot of questions, but I'm glad that everyone's back to work. Okay, what are we watching? I am trying to watch holiday movies. I'm going to be honest, it's not going great. I was on Love Island Games, like White on Rice, ate that right up, was honestly disappointed by the quantity of episodes. I'm like, if I can normally watch 60 episodes in a summer, y'all can give me more than 20 for these like adults. And then I'm like, do we need more grown people on the show? I don't know. I just like really enjoyed Love Island Games. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, Wish that the challenges were more, like I just love a game show, you know? But anyway, I also started Found on NBC or Peacock or whatever. Very into that. One thing Mark Paul Gossler is going to do is he's going to be on a program with a black woman and it's going to get canceled after one season. Yes, I am still bitter about pitch. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, back to the holiday movies. So Amazon Freebie, Freebie has one with uh, Leighton Meester and Robbie Amal Amal. I have no idea how to pronounce their last name, but I do know that his brother was low-key a scab during the strike, so that's awkward. Um... But that's all. It's called Xmas, by the way. Brandy is in a movie on Netflix called Best Christmas Ever. It also has Jason Biggs in it. I don't know, but I might try it. Um, Ludacris is in a movie. Uh, I think he's in a couple of Christmas movies, which I love this for him. Also, fun fact about me. The other day, I typed out the word Ludacris to some friends in a text, and I spelled it like his name. And I looked at it, and I said, that's not how you spell the word when you're not referring to Luda, you know, when you haven't just landed at the Atlanta airport. Anyway, dashing through the snow on Disney Plus with uh, Ludacris. Uh, We've got your classics. Okay, so sorry. I was just reading random things off, but now we're going to get into some premises here. Okay, we're going to go by network here. Um, we already kind of touched on Disney Plus with the Luda movie. And then the only one on Amazon is that Leighton Meester joint. Uh, Great American Family Christmas. Listen, y'all know that these are not my people, okay? But whatever. Um, they've got a lot of things. And I want to talk about some of them because one of them, the movie is called Twas the Text Before Christmas. And it stars Trevor Donovan from 90210. And the plot is that an unexpected text message sent to the wrong number sets in motion a Christmas tradition with the new family over three separate years. So it's literally the plot of the Thanksgiving people. 
Wanda and that man, which I did see the internet all Thanksgiving being like, have we seen her actual grandson or did they just get rid of him? Was he replaced? We've never seen the grandson that she meant to send the text to. But that's literally what this is, which I'm not saying you can't just like rip, you know, stories from the headlines, but you know, don't try and pass it off on your own. Just a different holiday. Um, I mean, some of these are fascinating. One of them is a professor of military history teams with an antique store owner to track down the original owner of a historic World War II uniform and the love letters left in its pockets. That ink is going to be faded. Um, let's see. Drew Seeley is in one of these. Um, there's quite a few sequels. Um, one of them is called A Paris Christmas Waltz. A novice dancer pairs with a professional to enter a renowned dance competition in Paris. That's not really compelling, but I need you guys to know who's in it. And I don't want it to be a jump scare, but I do think it's so funny. It's Matthew Morrison. That's who's in it. It's Matthew Morrison. He's the professional dancer. Uh, Candace Cameron is in, you know, some of these in a movie called My Christmas Hero. Her daughter stars in one called A Christmas for the Ages. Uh, Danica McKellar is in one called A Royal Date for Christmas. Uh, a European Duke arrives in the U.S. and his bags have been lost. Excuse me? <laughs> a European Duke arrives in the U.S. and his bags have been lost. Like, where? <laughs> when? <laughs> Was he flying spirit? Like, what are you talking about? So he ends up being styled by the local boutique owner, Danica McKellar. I started off reading these because I was excited, but like, I don't know. All right, let's get into some better ones. So let's talk about Hallmark. I tried to tolerate Great Great American Christmas or whatever they're called, Great American Cookie Company. Um, but anyway, okay, Hallmark, we've got like a, a journeyman hockey player falls for a real estate agent when he's traded to her hometown. Okay, into it. It's called Checking It Twice. Honestly, could get into it. Um, love this one flipping for Christmas. Uh, a busy realtor agrees to help her sister flip a house, but there's a man who's also a beneficiary of the house. He has different plans, obviously. Um, Janelle Parrish is in a movie where her and her best friend reconnect with their high school crush and have a love triangle. I don't know. That upsets me. There's also another one Another movie called Three Wise Men and a Baby that honestly looked familiar. It also, the picture I originally thought was the cast of Baby Daddy, and I got excited that they were making a Christmas movie because I loved that show, honestly. Um, but no, there's just one of the guys that was in Three Wise Men and a Baby, which is also a new Hallmark movie this year with, you know, Three Men and a Baby, obviously, um, is also in this movie that's called Never Been Christ, by the way. Of this, Christmas Island, when a snowstorm diverts Kate's first private flight en route to Switzerland to Christmas Island, she must team up with an air traffic controller to secure her dream job as the family's pilot. I love that. Team up, uh, air traffic controllers, underrepresented love interests. Am I right? Just saying. Um, Lacey Chabert is in, uh, like Scottish Christmas thing. So reuniting with, you know, the family, there's a secret. Love that for her. Love that Mean Girls Walmart commercial for her as well. Navigating Christmas is a, is literally a recently divorced mother and her son go to, um, a remote island for Christmas. And then they find themselves running a real life working lighthouse. I don't know. Obviously, the owner of the lighthouse is cute, but he's grumpy. This one is called Catch Me If You Claws, and I do have to read it. I do have to watch it just because I, I need to understand it. So uh, this woman is an aspiring news anchor, and she's finally getting her big break, on, big break on the station's Christmas morning newscast, which, first of all, what is that? But her big break is put in jeopardy when she captures an intruder in her home wearing a red suit claiming to be Chris, Santa's son. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's on his first mission. And then this is what happens. A night of adventure ensues as they find themselves being pursued by the police as well as some shady characters along the way they connect over living in the shadow of their parents and inspire each other to go after their dreams. 
Luke McFarlane is Chris, Santa's son. And unfortunately, I'm not kidding. Like, I am going to have to go track this movie down because I need to know what his dream is. Because I'm assuming her dream is to be, you know, a, a big time newscaster. But I'm assuming his dream is to not take over the family business. And I need to know what his dream is. Christmas in Notting Hill with Sarah Ramos from Parenthood and William Mosley from the literal Chronicles of Narnia. Um, William Mosley plays a famous soccer star who's too busy for love. He goes home to Notting Hill. Um, Sarah Ramos plays a woman who is visiting Notting Hill. She has no idea that he's a famous soccer star. I'm, I'm, see I'm sad. I'm sad. Christmas in Notting Hill, just in case you're wondering. I have no idea what network it's on. I feel like it's, I think it's Hallmark. I said I was on Hallmark, right? Oh God, that's amazing. I love that. Now this one's fascinating. A Biltmore Christmas is Bethany Joy Lenz and she is writing the script of a remake of a movie that was filmed in 1947 at the Biltmore and then she goes there and she ends up time traveling because of an hourglass. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think she falls in love with a man back then, right? And then, like, the production's in jeopardy because she's basically missing in present day because she's in the 1940s. I don't know. That's crazy, but I might get into it. It's called A Biltmore Christmas. A Biltmore Christmas seems like it could have been a really beautiful movie, and the idea that it's, like, half going to be based in the 1940s is going to be interesting, to say the least. Um... This, I'm into this. Round and Round is Vic Michaelis from Upload and Brian Greenberg, Love. Um, she is stuck in a time loop reliving the night of her parents' Hanukkah party. And Brian Greenberg is the nice boy her grandma is trying to set her up with. I, I would watch that, like 100%. Um, there's a lot of movies about like personal shoppers and stylists and stuff. No shade. Just kind of crazy that they're all happening in the same year, I guess. I'm not necessarily recommending this one, but I do just have to tell you guys about it. I'm shifting to Lifetime, by the way. This one's literally called Christmas Plus One, and the premise is that these two sisters make a pact to find their soulmates by the next Christmas? <laughs> I'm just like, what's going on? Also, like, logistically, girls, it doesn't seem like the best idea to, like, try and align all of our, like, you know, weddings and bachelorettes and things like that. Anyway, one year later, one of them is getting married and the other one finds her perfect man and then loses his phone number. I don't know. It's really none of my business. Um, I'm into this and I don't really understand why they are together. Um, but this is planes, trains, and Christmas trees. Business trip to Indiana, an event planner and a sports agent. Again, I don't know why they're together. But, you know, a snowstorm happens. They are trying to make it back to New York. They get stuck in a town in Ohio. I love it. I'm watching that. Okay, I have another one that I don't know that I'm going to watch, but I have to tell someone about it because it's so chaotic. It's literally called Silent Night, Fatal Night. Hate that. This woman is a best-selling mystery writer, and then she decides she's going to stop um, writing these books and focus on her personal life. And her manager takes her prisoner, convinces the world she passed away, and is forcing her to write a new posthumous novel. And then the closing line of the description says, now Mallory will spend the holidays writing her most thrilling story yet, colon, her own escape. I'm scared, honestly. Um, a Cowboy Christmas Romance, classic. It's Jana Kramer. She goes back to her hometown. She has to close this business deal. She has to convince this horse-whispering rancher to part ways with his family land while also dealing with the fact that she left her father and her brothers behind. Will she be able to reconcile her life from 10 years ago? No one knows. You should also see the cover. Not the cover, but like the poster from this. It's it's giving book talk big time. Um, I love this one. It's Tia Mowry. Buddy Velastro is in this movie, Cake Boss. And... Um, it's about this culinary school instructor who's, like, trying to figure out what she wants to do next. And so she enters this, like, um, cookie cook-off thing, this bake-off, uh, Christmas-themed one. And um, it's called Yes, Chef Christmas. They said, you know what we're about to do. They said, Yes, Chef, behind, cousin, cousin, Yes, Chef Christmas. I love it so much. Okay, the last one I want to throw out there is um, this Prime one. It's not Freebie. It's Prime because those are different, apparently. It's called Candy Cane Lane. 
Um, it's Eddie Murphy. It's Tracy Ellis Ross. It's Jillian Bell. It's Chris Red, Nick Offerman, Robin Thede, Thede David Allen Greer, Ken Marino. It's like uh, Timothy Simon's absolute banger of a cast. Um, and Eddie Murphy is like this dad and he makes a deal with this elf um, so that he can win this like Christmas decorating contest that he wants to win in the neighborhood or whatever. And then he ends up like, I don't know, becoming some sort of tiny little ornament or something. I don't know. But um, Tracy Ellis Ross and their children have to, you know, break the elf spell so that they can save Eddie Murphy or whatever. Listen, I don't want to personally dig into the fact that Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross are a husband and wife. And I do think he could technically be her father. Um, but I'm excited about it. I'm sure it's cute anyway. So, you know, happy holidays. People, people, thanks so much for catching up. It's always a pleasure. Hope you got something out of this, you know, and if you didn't, don't tell me. Um, the way that I didn't even touch on this like whole Rosalia, Jeremy Allen White thing, and the fact that, like, someone the other day posted that tweet that was, like, that one random celeb relationship that everyone moved on from but you can't think, you can't forget about or whatever. And people started quote tweeting with truly some of the most, like, chaotic couplings. Like, so many that I feel like I knew about, so many that I didn't. Stan Twitter, you know, goes very hard. And so there was a lot of, like, Andrew Garfield, um, Emma Stone content, which, you know, love that for them. Um, but then there was also the fun ones where people were just posting like completely random things that like Cher and Tom Cruise dated and Connie Britton and Jason Manzukas. I do think about that one semi-regularly because I'm like, why don't we know more about that? Um, people posted about Jenny Slate and Chris Evans. Now that's a good deep dive. Um, but it is very interesting and, um, I love it when two completely random celebrities that you don't uh, attach at all find one another. Baron Davis and Laura Dern. That was a good one. I mean, just truly iconic stuff. Um, anyway, I think that's all I have to catch up on. I don't think there's anything else going on. Well, I mean, <laughs> what a silly thing to say. Um, there's nothing else going on. I think we're good, guys. No, there's literally so much going on. I'm honestly so overwhelmed. I need to take a nap. Um, yeah, I mean, what a fun time. Taylor's in London for, uh, Beyonce's, um, movie premiere, which we love this for them. Like, I'm obsessed with them doing this. As someone pointed out when Taylor was at, or when Beyonce was at Taylor Swift's movie premiere, the idea that, like, first of all, Beyonce has been there since, like, literally Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift, right? Beyonce was the one that, like, invited Taylor out onto the stage and said, like, here, take the mic. So they, she's been there since basically the beginning of Taylor Swift's career. Someone pointed out that they probably have like a relationship and friendship that we know nothing about. I love that for them. I love that for us. I am obsessed with them doing this thing where they pop up to support each other like this. And then they just kind of disappear from each other's lives for years at a time. And then they just pop up again. Icon, like true icon diva behavior. A1, tier one celeb behavior. And I love it. I love it so much. I gotta go buy my ticket to go see Renaissance, I guess. I gotta go get that popcorn bucket, am I right? Okay, thanks for catching up. Bye.